This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I, uh, I do study chimpanzees in a savanna, and I'd like to tell you a little bit more about that site because it does have a lot of um, importance as far as the, the chimpanzees' hunting behavior goes. And this map I will show you most of the long-term chimpanzee study sites um, operating today not all of them, but these sites, um, most of them here, have been ongoing for at least 10 years, and in some cases, in the case of Gambia Mahali, uh, more than 50 years. And so uh, most of you are probably familiar with Jane Goodall and at least um, the person, but uh, Gombi is the site that she helped establish that Ian talked about. I'm um, across the continent, and I'm over in West Africa. This is my site, the Fongoli uh, study site. And I chose this site because it is in a savanna, and we think that um, our lineage, uh, evolutionarily speaking, evolved in this type of, of habitat. And so I'll show you some images from the site. My, my underlying questions have to do with um, how these chimpanzees differ from chimpanzees living in forests, like the chimps we've heard about before at Ngogo and Ngambi. And I uh, will cite Jim Moore here. He's written a lot about using chimpanzees as what we call a referential model, and that is comparing them to chimpanzees living in a forested site. And the assumption is that the environment will have effects on their behavior. And I, I did think this going in. I had ideas about what the differences might be. And the chimps kind of went their own way and showed me a lot more differences, including hunting. And so I'll talk to you about that today. So the, I'm going to talk about three main questions, and I focus on the types of hunting or aspects of the Fongoli chimpanzees hunting that you don't necessarily see at other sites or that are very rare. And so one of the things that we see here commonly is that chimpanzees hunt with tools, and that's something that we use to define our own species. It has been seen um, literally a handful of times at another site in Tanzania, but at Fongoli, chimpanzees do this um, quite, quite frequently, so we've seen hundreds of cases now, and I'll talk to you more about that. Um, so one of the questions that I'll, I'll, I'll touch on is why, why hunt with tools in this particular habitat? Something else that is not really common at other chimpanzee sites is that, in fact, in regarding this particular type of hunting, females are, are more frequently going to be those hunting with tools compared to males. And as we heard, that's just not the case um, in most other chimpanzee study sites, so I'll talk more about that. And then to follow up um, with, with David's talk, I will talk about meat sharing, or I use the word sharing, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about how I define that. But I'll specifically talk about how females dole out meat. And then finally, I'll come back to this idea about um, using chimpanzees as a model and what perhaps the Fongoli chimpanzees that I study can help us um, say or think about in terms of the evolution of early hominin or bipedal ape hunting. So these are some images from my study site. The Fongoli uh, study site is one of the hottest, driest, and most vegetatively open sites that you see today, where chimpanzees have actually been habituated to a human presence. So this took us quite a long time. It took us four years. I started in 2001. And we habituated males to our presence by 2005, but I wasn't able to identify all the chimpanzees in the group until 2006. That's when we 
identified all the females. This is a view of my pretty fancy camp there. And uh, hopefully that gives you some idea of the vegetation. So it's a woodland savanna. The dominant understory is grass, um, thus savanna. But you do have um, a large proportion of the habitat as woodland. So over half of the habitat is woodland. And only a very small portion is forest. About 3% of the habitat is forest. And this is where you find your water sources. This is really the chimpanzee's most limiting resource at Fongolia's water. Temperatures are incredibly hot, really hot for me, even hot for chimps. So right now we're, um, the well, yeah, the month, month of March in Senegal is almost approaching the peak of the dry season. So temperatures are regularly over 100 degrees. They may get up to 115 or so. During the rainy season, or at least at the beginning of the rainy season, you find some relief because the trees will put out leaves again. They lose all their trees during the dry season. But yet you have this lag. You have hot temperatures, and then you have this high humidity, which is really fun. And so literally <laughs> the heat index in June is around 120, 125. And that's when I take students out. <laughs> So a little bit about the Fongoli study group. Um, within this particular habitat, they have a very large home range, 110 kilometers, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, um, so far described. The community size is relatively small. It's not the smallest chimpanzee community studied, but it's on the small size, around 35 chimps. And importantly, we have a sex ratio that is sort of the opposite um, of what you see at other sites. So we have more males than females. That's usually not the case. And um, the data that I'm going to talk about today stem from 2005 to, through 2017. One other thing I'll say about um, adult males versus adult females is because of the fact that when I first got to Fongolia, I heard that even though chimpanzees are not eaten at the site, and this is not within a national park, this is outside of a national park, so you do have villages in the area, um, anthropogenic or human disturbance accounts for about 5% of the habitat. You do have chimpanzees living alongside people. They're not habituated to them. They're habituated to us, so we're okay, but other people are not. But in rare cases, you do have people that will try to hunt a chimpanzee in order to get a female's infant for the pet trade. And we had that happen one time in 17 years. And because of that, I focus on adult males as my focal subjects. The Fongoli community is often together as one large group, so I can collect data on females, but they are more timid when they're by themselves, and I don't try to, try to follow them when they're by themselves. So I think I, I know a lot about what is going on with males, and I know some about what is going on with females, but perhaps not as much. So this pie chart gives you an idea of the prey species consumed by Fongoli chimpanzees, both by males and by females. And um, as Ian pointed out, there are no colobus monkeys in this particular habitat. So it is a savanna woodland habitat. Colobus monkeys don't occur here. Um, forest guenons like red-tailed monkeys or other colobus monkeys, blue monkeys, do not occur here. Instead, you have savanna species like baboons, patus monkeys, vervets, um, you have mongooses, bush bucks, things like this. And then on the very lower right, you see that adorable little bush baby. And Ian introduced uh, the galago as well. The galago is actually the main prey species of Fongoli chimpanzees, both males and females. And this is the animal that they hunt with tools. And I'll actually hopefully show you some video of that and talk more about that. So the prey profile, if you want to call it that, really reflects the savanna type of habitat. And it does also support, as um, Ian pointed out, um, or talked about what is called a risk-averse strategy. 
So I'm just going to show you some video and, and try to narrate it here. So this is tool assisted hunting. Uh, what this image is going to show you is an adult female. That's, if you can't tell, that's Farafa. She's an older female. We estimate her age to be around 40. She's one of the top female hunters in the group. So she's trying to get at these adorable little bush babies that try to sleep in cavities during the day until this rude chimpanzee comes with the tool. That's an adult male. That's Jumpkin. And he goes about it a little bit differently. And so even though females hunt with tools more than expected, um, I'll talk a little bit more about that next, males do exhibit this type of hunting behavior as well. <laughs> I have to say he's usually better than that. <laughs> they just caught him on a bad day. We'll, we'll let Jumpkin try one more time. <laughs> if you didn't guess, he wasn't su successful in this particular bout. Um, so we're looking at a lot of different aspects of this. Uh, I, I almost feel bad showing that. Um, we're looking at a lot of different aspects of this particular behavior, and so um, this is a juvenile female, Vivienne, that was her mother that was hunting, and um, the juveniles start this behavior when they're about two years of age, when they're still infants and nursing, but they don't learn really the proper um, you know, tool length and that sort of thing until they get to be about four. So she gets a little frustrated too. <laughs> All right, enough, enough fun, I guess. So in terms of our results so far, um, I apologize because in your abstract I put over 500. I was sure that we would hit the 500 mark this year, 499. I just can't believe it. <laughs> but we have 499 hunting records. Those aren't all successes, and that's including adults and immatures. We've only seen adolescent and adult individuals successful in this type of hunting behavior. Um, like I said, infants begin to exhibit it, and they do really good as far as making the tool, but they don't make a proper tool until they get to be uh, a juvenile. So we see about 32 hunts per year on average when you take into account that there are some days that we can't be there, the river's too high, or someone's sick. Um, we, just, we think that they probably hunt at least 50 times a year. And again, our most recent analyses suggest that females do hunt significantly more than expected with tools, even though males also hunt. And we um, did analyses taking into account not only their membership in the, the community as a whole, but also their membership in so-called hunting parties or parties that the chimpanzees are in on those days. So I want to talk a little bit more about just... Um, the hunters themselves, and this is uh, a lot of color there, but I wanted to show you the, the top 10 hunters at Fungoli and also the different types of foods or prey that they hunt. And so um, you have two females that are actually among the top 10 hunters at Fungoli. Interestingly, I think, is that both of those females, females are very high ranking. So Tumbo there is currently our alpha female based on these very stylized pant grunt records, uh, sorry, um, vocalizations. And we 
we keep records of these vocalizations where a subordinate individual will pant grunt to a dominant individual. And Tumbo actually overtook that alpha position from Farafa there about two years ago. And so females actually do hunt some in this community, or at least enough to be considered among the top 10 Fungoli hunters. And also, I'd like to point out that we have a tie right now for the very top hunter, and one is the alpha male, that's David. He is um, tied for the top hunting position with Sibrut. And um, some of you will be happy to know that Sibrut, who is pictured there, is not only the oldest hunter in the group, he's the oldest male, but he's also the lowest ranking male as well. Um, and then if you look at female hunting behavior in general, females, um, almost all females hunt, and almost all males hunt as well. So they hunt about what you would expect, or at least their participation in hunting overall is what you would expect based on their, their membership in a in the Fongoli community. I wanted to look, uh, talk a little bit about Fongoli hunting um, and, and uh, the context of female hunting across study sites. So Ian talked about that some, and I've used data from his, his work and others to look at Fongoli female hunting. And in fact, um, there are females elsewhere that also engage in quite a bit of hunting. In fact, females at Mahali hunt a little more than females at Fongoli. If you look at Fongoli female hunting behavior overall. And then with you, when you look at tool use, you see that Fongoli females do hunt uh, quite a bit Almost half of the tool-assisted hunting at Fungoli is by females. And again, remember that we have um, fewer females at Fungoli. We don't follow females systematically like we do males. And so one question as to why females hunt is basically, as David started out with, it, um, you know, it's probably no surprise that, that chimps um, gain a lot of nutrition from hunting. But... I think perhaps a more interesting question is why females don't hunt more at other sites. And Ian uh, talked about some of these issues as well that I'll, I'll pursue right now. And so if you looked at, for example, theft, um, there's not a lot of theft at Fungoli. So when I use the word share, I'm referring to basically the, the last three categories I think that David talked about. So active food transfer, but not theft, right, and passive food transfer, et cetera. So I consider theft to be a different category. And at Fungoli, we have very little theft. The only theft we've seen involves uh, two different alpha males, so very little theft. Whereas at other sites, you do have quite a bit of theft. And so I believe, as Ian said, um, females don't have incentive to hunt at some sites. At Fungoli, there definitely is incentive. And not only females, but this is a little video of, again, that lower ranking male. So out of 13 males, he's number 13. He's the oldest male. That's Sibirut. So he's walking by um, a number of adult males with this bushbuck fawn that he's captured. And no one makes any attempt to take it from him. He had actually been eating on that fawn for over an hour. And he had a number of individuals sitting around basically begging. He didn't share with them. And as he moves off, you'll see that there's another older male that will follow him, and this is his ally bandit. Where's bandit? There he is, calmly following his buddy Sibrut out. And so he, he did end up sharing with bandit. So not only do you see... Um, some sort of concept of, well, I hate to say concept of ownership, but you see tolerance. So tolerance of possession of prey um, 
by dominant males of these low-ranking individuals, females, and also lower-ranking males. So I think that at Fungal, you actually have the incentive to hunt. It's one of the reasons that you see hunt, so much hunting, um, at least tool-assisted hunting in females. I want to show it a, a slightly different way. So these are those same top 10 hunters, but rather than being expressed in the number of prey that they brought in, this is the number of kilograms or estimated kilograms of meat, right? And so you see that David has jumped up to number one position there. It depends on what you hunt. And almost everybody hunts bush babies except KL. We've never seen him capture a bush baby. But what's interesting is you see that the third top uh, hunter there, at least in terms of prey captures, Lupin has fallen quite low because he does seem to specialize on bush babies. So the Females really didn't change positions at all. They're still in the top 10, but you do see a lot of variation. So that's something that we're looking at now. And so I wanted to talk just a little bit about um, what females can provide in terms of transfer or sharing. And we, so far, this is um, still preliminary to some degree. We've looked at sharing or food transfer by females. And again, I'm considering David's categories of active transfer, passive transfer, and scrounging, but tolerated scrounging. And I'm not considering theft in this category. Females actually shared with other individuals uh, more often than they did with their offspring. So that's something that we're uh, exploring right now. And basically, um, I would argue that females, as uh, Rebecca has pointed out, should be considered as well. And finally, I'll just move on to my last slide and um, leave you with a couple of thoughts. First of all, I think Travis Pickering said it probably better than, than I can. So he actually thinks that if you... Um, think about the tool-assisted hunting at Fungoli. It perhaps can tell us more about some of the early hominin hunting that uh, went on compared to the emotionally charged hunting of chimpanzees, as he puts it. And I'll just end up by saying, um, echoing what Rebecca has said as well about um, female humans, is that just now, and I think Richard mentioned this as well, we're beginning to understand more about female chimpanzee hunting and that they also play uh, a part in this scenario. So thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.